Well, good morning. It's good to have each one of you joining us this morning for our first ever live video broadcast. And uh, the reason that we're doing this is because we have paused all of our activities at Trinity until further notice. Our Sunday morning service, our Wednesday evening services, our prayer service, all of it's been, all of it's been paused. The reason being is that we are complying with the order that the government has given us not to gather. And we're trying to get ahead of this virus to stop it. And the only way to do that is no person-to-person contact. And churches are a great place for that. So we're pausing. So when are we going to have church again? Well, that's the million-dollar question. I have no idea. Uh, Some people are saying four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks. This is what I know. God knows, and He's going to let us know. We're going to be back to normal before very long. I urge all of you, please do not take any unnecessary risk. I know that we have a population of people within the uh, family we call Trinity Church that are perhaps a little bit more susceptible to things, and we encourage you not to take risk and be out in public. Folks, we have people that will shop for you, run errands for you. All you have to do is just let us know, and we'd be glad to do that for you. Um, Just call the office, uh, communicate with us on Realm, and we will make sure that we get your needs met. We're going to try to stream each and every Sunday morning service, and we're going to do some video updates during the week as well. So we encourage you to join us at 1030 every Sunday until we get back to normal, and we'll be streaming these services. Until that time, we encourage you all to be checking in with Right Now Media and keep yourself fed. There's all kinds of great material on there that you can supplement while you're at home. No need to stream Netflix and all of that thing. Just stream Right Now Media. It'll feed your soul. Um, We are not seeing it right now, but there is going to be a tremendous fallout from this virus, a fallout financially that's going to hit the entire globe. And whenever I say we're not seeing it, I mean we're not seeing it in the drastic sense that it's going to affect this nation. And so I encourage you to help us to be a church that's going to rise up during this time of need and really be able to help individuals, not only with food assistance, but also economically. We know that people are going to lose their jobs, lose their paychecks during this time, and we want to be a church that really is able to reach out and to help those folks. And so that's why we, we continue to urge you to just give uh, give abundantly. I, I urge you to give into our benevolence fund so that we can build that up in the next few weeks so that whenever the assistance calls start coming in, we can meet those needs. You can give online by going to trinitywnc.com slash give. Uh, you can text. You can uh, give on our realm, uh, through our realm. You can bring your checks into the office uh, Monday through Thursday from 9 to 12. We're going to keep office hours. Uh, You can mail it in, but I encourage you to give during this time so that we can give the assistance to this community to help our missionaries overseas because they're experiencing the same kind of thing we're experiencing only sometimes in a greater degree. So I encourage you to do that. Amen.
If you have your Bibles this morning, I want to bring a quick message to you that I believe is very prudent for the time that we're in. The title of this message is a title that I believe addresses some things that uh, we are right in the midst of. It's not the global pandemic that is spreading. It's not the virus called coronavirus. It's something that I believe so many people are carrying around in their hearts. It's traveling through families. It's traveling through congregations. It's traveling to state to state. It's traveling globally, and it is fear. The title this morning is Fear Not. So let's pray, and then we're going to jump into the Word. Father, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity that you've given us today. And Father, we don't understand the things that are going on, but Father, we do know this. You've got it all in control. Father, it's in your hands. And Father, we just look to you today to strengthen us, to encourage us, Father God, to speak to us out of your word. And Father, I pray through the power of your Holy Spirit that you will do exactly what you have promised to do, Father to be with us, with that strong arm that you have, guiding us and encouraging us along the way. We ask that, Father, through the power of this word, Lord, that we would get what it is you're trying to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is Mark chapter 4, and we're going to begin reading in verse number 35. It says, On that day when evening came, he said to them, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was and other boats were with him. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down, and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? How is it that you have no faith? They became very much afraid and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Why are we afraid? That's the big question here this morning. People have all kinds of fears. We deal with fears in a lot of different ways. As children, we use the covers to cover ourselves so that our fears might be calm. We use lights in the bedroom. We uh, use our siblings, our parents to come in and comfort us whenever fears arise. As adults, though, we don't get that opportunity as children have. We do things like, well, we smack a lot of money in our savings account or we buy insurance for the various things that could tragically affect our lives. We have a 401k so that we'll be, be able to have enough funds whenever we retire. Now, we get these good jobs, and these good jobs provide for us. And for our, the time being, our fears are kind of diminished, uh, um, at least in the financial department. We can relax. The trouble is that these things that we most often put our confidence in are things that don't last. They're temporal. So why do we have so much fear? See, in the United States, the calming of our fears is literally a multi-billion dollar business. It helps us calm our fears by using therapy, various devices that help us, pills, and still the United States of America is full of fear. You see, I believe that there's a direct correlation between fearing something greatly and that fear that we have 
coming upon us. I mean to dwell in our fear, to walk around every day with fear in our hearts, fear in our minds. You see, I believe the enemy uses fear to literally paralyze us. And we see that in the church. We see that outside of the church. In Job chapter 3, verse 25, it says, For the thing that I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. So here's Job fearing it, fearing it, dreading it, dreading it. And now the confession of his own lips is, it's come upon me. You see, the more that the devil can get you to fear, the less effective that you and I are going to be for the Lord. If ever there was a time that the Lord wants us to be effective, I believe it's right now. We have an opportunity as a church of Jesus Christ to shine in this dark place that this coronavirus has taken us. But we have to get rid of our own fear before we're going to be able to shine to a community that's around us. Where there is fear, there is often a complete absence of faith. So in Hebrews 11:6 it says, But without faith it's impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. We need to begin to cast out fear from our lives. To cast it out. To literally become someone who is ruthless with the fear that oftentimes inhabits our hearts. To be ruthless and remove it out of our lives. One fear at a time. You see, the Lord has designed us not to walk in fear, but to walk in faith. Two different things, two different contrasts that are literally from one side of the pendulum swing to the other. Fear being over here and faith being over here. There are a couple of things that I believe you and I need to know. First of all, we need to know that if Jesus said it, it will happen just as he said it. He's in the boat. He's with his disciples. But before he ever left the shore, he said, let's go over to the other side. We're going to the other side, guys. We're going to the other side. So here in the middle of this sea, the storm comes, the wind comes, the waves come. They begin to beat against that little boat that they were in till the water began to get inside and it was sinking. And so they run frantically around trying to bail it, trying to do all that they can. And finally they wake Jesus up and they say, man, you don't even care that we're dying out here, Jesus. So Jesus gets up and he takes control of the situation. He speaks to the storm. He says, be still. And the waves and the wind stop and immediately the sea is calm and their lives are completely out of jeopardy. We need to understand that if Jesus said it, it will happen as he said it. His word is true and you can stake your life on his word. He told them, guys, we're going to the other side. We're going to the other side. You can stake your life on it. You can stake your eternity on it. In Isaiah chapter 55, verse number 11, it says, So my word, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing which I sent it. In Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 12, it says, Then the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. In Psalm 119.89, it says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. We've got to remember that if Jesus said it, it's going to happen as he has said it. 
The second thing we need to remember is that we have to develop some way of remembering this word. Because you see, whenever the disciples are out in the middle of the lake and the wind is blowing and the waves are crashing against their boat, what Jesus had said to them on the bank was totally not in their minds. All they were thinking about is we're going to die. We're going to perish. This boat is going down and we're all going down with it. They forgot what he said. He said, we're going to the other side. In Mark chapter 4, verse 35, it says, On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go over to the other side. They forgot it. It wasn't in, it wasn't in their minds. It wasn't in their hearts. Because if it had been, they would have known that they were safe and secure in the hands of God because Jesus spoke, We're going to the other side. In Psalm 119.11, it says, Your word I have hidden in my heart, that I might not sin against you. we got to hide that word in our hearts. we got to get it so deep in us that it's always there for us to be able to recall it at any given time whenever we need it. The Holy Spirit has promised us. He said, all that stuff you've learned, all that stuff you put in your heart, I will bring it to your remembrance. And it's so uncanny at how the ministry of the Holy Spirit works as each and every time it seems that we're in that position that we need God's guidance, God's protections, God's help, it seems as that word that we placed in our hearts, it just comes back. I think the church is acting a little bit like we haven't heard one single thing he said. We're acting a lot like the world is acting right now. I read all the things on the internet, I see the things on the TV. And to be honest with you, the church is very much like the world right now. They're fearful. Remember what he said to us. Jesus said, I'm leaving you with this gift. This is John chapter 14, verse 27. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't fragile like the peace the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. You see, we should be a people that are right now in the midst of a chaotic situation in the world. We should be a people who literally have the peace that passes understanding. A peace that does not come from anything that our federal government's doing for us, or the CDC is doing for us, or the hospitals can do for us, or the doctors can do for us. But a peace that comes because of who our God is and what He is capable of doing. Not only do we need to develop some way of remembering what Jesus said to us, not only do we need to know that if Jesus said it, he will perform it, but folks, we got to learn that God loves us. He loves his kids. We have to learn to walk in that love. 1 John 4.17 says this, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so we in this world. There is no, fe no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. He loves us. He loves his kids. And he constantly tells us, fear not, fear not, fear not. I'm with you. Fear not. I'm your God. I'll take care of you. In Luke chapter 12, verse number 7, let me read this to you. It says, But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. 
And we quote that all the time. We talk about God literally counting the numbers of hairs on our head. But this is an amazing thing. We don't usually say the end of the scripture. The end of the scripture is this. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. And what I'm saying is God is trying to make a point here. He's going to take care of us. He loves us. He's familiar with every detail of our lives. That's the whole idea about counting these hairs on our heads. If he knows how many hairs we have, obviously he knows all the big things that are going on in our lives too. He knows the various things that we're going to face during this crisis, this virus that's spreading all over the globe. He knows, and he's going to take care of us. He's count, counted the very hairs on our head. Thus, he will take care of us. In Genesis chapter 26, this is what it says in verse number 24. It says, And the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. He is with us, folks. He's with us. He's, he's going to stay with us for the long run. Where he's going to see it through in our lives. I mean, the New Testament promise that we look to so often is, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So, He's with us. He's going to stay with us. He's going to see it through in our lives no matter what comes our way. That's why we're afraid, because we forget what it is that Jesus said. We don't remember these things so often in the time of crisis. So this morning, how do we overcome this fear? How do we get past it? How do we come to a place where we're walking around on this planet, and even in the midst of such a crisis that we're experiencing, there's a peace in our heart. There's no evidence of fear because fear is gone. How do we overcome it? Well, we remember the Word of God. It's true. We find a way to know that Word, to learn that Word, and then we walk in His love. So this morning, what kind of things are we afraid of? The whole world seems to be fearful right now. This virus the COVID-19, the dreaded coronavirus. We should respect it. I'm convinced that we probably should wash our hands and use hand sanitizer. I, I think in this midst of this outbreak, we don't need to be shaking hands with people and rubbing shoulders with people. We need to distance ourselves. I think we should respect it, but not fear it. We do a lot of things as human beings, and some of them are smart, and some of them probably not so smart because we're working out of fear. Fear demands a response. Fear demands a reaction. Whenever fear grips you, you can't just stand there. There's got to be a reaction. There's got to be a response. It's like whenever I'm walking along on my property and I look down, right as my foot is about to hit the ground, and I see a snake laying there, there is fear that comes through my body. I'm not one of those people that is a snake lover. I'm a snake hater. I hate them, and they drive me crazy. I, whenever I get around them, I kill them. I'm sorry if you're a snake lover, but that's just the way it is. It's a death sentence if I find them. But whenever my foot is almost to that snake, it demands a response from me. I could almost jump to the moon whenever I see a snake on the ground in front of me. You see, fear moves us to the very core of who we are. Fear is a tremendous motivator. 
However, it oftentimes motivates us in a negative way to do something that ought not to have been done. Many times we do things in response to or as a reaction to our fear. I fear, you guys are going to like this one, I fear so I go out and buy 100 rolls of toilet paper. Listen, we don't have to hoard anything. God is going to supply our needs. I was very curious about what the grocery store is going to be like the other day, and I, uh, I go grocery shopping, shopping usually uh, uh, once every seven, eight, nine days, depending on you know, how much groceries we have. We, we don't hoard things, and, and so I went to the grocery store. Uh, I guess it was early Thursday morning. I think that was right, and uh, I was uh, surprised that everything that was on my list because I was just normal grocery shopping, they had it. I needed some orange juice. They had one bottle of the brand of orange juice that I needed to buy. I just really believe that God set that one bottle there just to prove to me that you don't have to be crazy in this time. He will take care of our needs. I, 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 I just am real curious of why Christians would go out and just hoard things. This is what I'm thinking. If you run out of toilet paper, I think God could probably deliver a roll or two with a couple of ravens if he needed to. So anyway, um, have you ever noticed that man's ways are not God's ways? You see, God doesn't think like us. He doesn't act like us until we start learning how he thinks and how he acts. Then we can mimic him. You see, in responding to our fear, we oftentimes act in ways that it's really not pleasing to God. So in order to overcome that fear, that, that response to fear, we have to begin to see the way God sees. We need to pray, God, open my eyes so I can see it like you see it. To look through his eyes, to see the things a little bit differently than maybe we see things today. So I wonder how God sees this global crisis that's going on now. I wonder whenever he looks down on this earth and, and he sees this pandemic and he sees the lives that are being lost and he sees the lives that are being affected in this, not, not only through those that have contracted this, this virus, but for those that, that, that are being devastated financially, for those that have lost uh, loved ones. How does God see this? Well, this is what I would guarantee you. He sees it differently than we see it. In 2 Kings chapter 6, there's a the portion of scripture here that I think we really got to get a hold of. This is verse number 14. Start reading here. It says, Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And, and when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Don't be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. See, here's Elisha's servant going out. He's seeing this massive army. He's seeing the chariots. He's seeing all of the horsemen. He's seeing all of the spearmen. He's seeing all of these people, and he's scared to death. He's saying, what shall we do? They are way more than us. In other words, we don't stand a chance. But it says, Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. So he's praying, God, open my servant's eyes here that's just gone out and looked at this army, looked at all these chariots, looked at all these horsemen. 
He says, open his eyes that he might see. He said, then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So God has this supernatural spiritual army that's all around Elisha, but the servant couldn't see it. You see, you and I walk in this world and we have an invisible kingdom that's all around us. Folks, i got to tell you, I believe that if God would open our eyes, we could see the angels that are protecting our family. We could see those covering hands that are walking with us and guiding, guiding us. We've got to see it like He sees it. So to see it His way is going to cause our fears to vacate. They're going to vanish from our sight. But we have to begin to change our perspective, to look from another point of view to have a different way of seeing our situation. You aerial views are so much different than a ground view. I can remember a few years ago, my oldest son got a, uh, a, um, one of these little propeller things, uh, uh, a drone, thank you. <laughs> and uh, he brought it to my house and flew it up in the air and took some pictures all around our house, literally all around our community. And I still have that video on my computer because it looks so neat seeing my property from the air. An aerial view changes the way we see things. You see, I could only see the trees from the bottom, not the tops, until I got an aerial view. You see, the only way to have a change of view is to have a change of surroundings. we got to change our surroundings. we got to change the way we see it. So here's just a suggestion. In changing our surroundings, thus changing our point of view, maybe we should quit listening to 24-7 of the doom and gloom that's on TV and the Internet, all the various outlets of news, because all they talk about is this pandemic. All they talk about is the horrible things that are happening day in and day out. Instead, you see, we should be putting some of the God things in us, God's Word, God's love, God's care for His people. That's what we should be putting in. We need to see it from man's perspective because, I mean, from God's perspective, not man's perspective. We've got to hang out more with God. We need to hear His Word. We need to read His Word. We need to meditate on His Word. We need to speak His Word. You see, we need to use God's Word in our lives because that changes the way we look at it. I have a great big God that's taking care of my family. My youngest son is down in Atlanta working at the Dream Center. I mean, going to school at the Dream Center. And he's chosen not to come home. His whole class has packed up and left because of the fear of the coronavirus. And I'll be very honest with you. I thought he was crazy for staying down there. I was hoping he would come home. But he sent me a chat and he said, Dad, I just really feel like God wants me to stay here. So I'm going to stay, and I'm going to help them minister to people who need to be ministered to. I didn't like that. I really didn't. I started just writing back, said, this is your dad speaking. Get yourself in your pickup and come home. But God sees it different than I see it. I'm wanting to protect my son, but you see, God has already protected him. God's already got him covered. God already has angels around about him. And God's going to take care of him no matter what the situation is in his life. And I have to trust him with that. On that day, when evening came, this is what Jesus said. Let us go over to the other side. 
we have to realize as we release God's word into any situation in our lives, everything changes. By the power of God, you and I are going to get to the other side of this. This church is going to get to the other side of this. The families within this church is going to get to the other side of it. Our nation is going to get to the other side. The world's going to get to the other side. Remember the word of God is true. We got to find a way to remember that word and we got to walk in the middle of God's love. You see, we as believers have to get our fears under control because if we don't get our fears under control, there's no way that we can help a world that's around us that is completely full of fear right now. You see, we are a community of believers called Trinity Church that should move in faith, not fear. Faith. Faith in this amazing God that controls the universe with his voice. Faith, not fear. What if we could spread God's love and God's hope and God's peace faster than this coronavirus is spreading to our friends, our families, our neighbors, our co-workers, those that we interact with on a daily basis. Spread his hope. Spread his love. Spread Jesus into this community. You see, this is a time for us to encourage those people that are around us, to strengthen them, to bring hope in the middle of this chaotic situation that we're in so that it might be able to cancel out the fears that they might be feeling. This is a perfect time to let the world know what it is that you and I believe. I believe this stuff I'm preaching this morning. I believe everything in this book. But sometimes my vision is clouded and there's this trickle of fear that I see coming up inside of me. But this morning, I challenge you, fear not. He is with you. Fear not. He is with us. So this morning, we pray that God would stop the hand of this plague. That's been my prayer from the very beginning of this thing. Even before it touched the shores of the United States of America, I prayed, God, stop this plague. May God's hand of intervention move with a mighty force against this crazy virus that's breaking out all over. I believe as Trinity, we ought to join forces with God and believe literally for a swift remedy from this curse. This is my prayer for you, that God would bless and protect each one of you, would bless and protect each of your families. As we believe together, as it says in Malachi 4.2, it says that the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in His wings, and you will go free, leaping with joy like calves let out to pasture. If you've never seen calves left out to pasture, you don't understand the Scripture but I grew up in a rural place where I seen the calves going out to pasture, literally leaping and kicking and running with all their might because they've been released into pasture. That's what we pray, that this virus would be abated and that literally we would be a people like these calves led out to pasture, praising and leaping with joy that our God has seen us through. I want to end with this last scripture and this brings back a memory of whenever we lived in Montana. We had an elderly lady that was in our church. I think she was up in her 90s at this time. And she would come to church occasionally. And, 
And it was just kind of like whenever she did this, we just had to give her way. But she would just, with her cane, she would get up, get into the middle aisle of the church and just begin to walk up to the front. And she had memorized the scripture. She could literally quote it without any help from anyone. And even in advanced age, she remembered this scripture. She had set it into her heart. I'd give her the mic, and this is what she would speak. This is Psalm 91, and I'm going to read the entire psalm. It says, We live within the shadow of the Almighty, sheltered by the God who is above all gods. This I declare, that He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I am trusting in Him. For He rescues you from every trap and protects you from the fatal plagues. He will shield you with His wings. They will shelter you. His faithful promises are your armor. Now you don't need to be afraid of the dark anymore, nor fear the dangers of the day, nor dread the plagues of darkness, nor disasters in the morning. Though a thousand fall at my side, though ten thousand are dying around me, the evil will not touch me. I will see how the wicked are punished, but I will not share it. For Jehovah is my refuge. I choose the God above all gods to shelter me. How then can evil overtake me or any plague come near? For he orders his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will, stead, they will stead, steady you with their hands to keep you from stumbling against the rocks on your trail. You can safely meet a lion or step on a poisonous snake's Yes, even trample them beneath your feet. For the Lord says, because he loves me, I will rescue him. I will make him great because he trusts in my name. When he calls on me, I will answer. I will be with him in trouble and rescue him and honor him. I will satisfy him with a full life and give him my salvation. Let's pray. Father, we love you. I thank you for this message this morning, Lord, because it has encouraged me. And Father, I believe for those that are outside of these four walls to be encouraged as well. For those, Father God, that are part of our family, Lord God, that are in the midst, Lord God, of, of this trauma that we are experiencing as a nation, as a family of believers, as families, as individuals. I pray, Father, that you will help us to fear not, to rise up, Lord God, with those words that you have so spoken into our heart, even this morning, and Father, to live our lives in faith, not fear. Believing you, Lord God, to be our help in a time of trouble. Believing you, Father God, to be our place of refuge, our place of safety. To believe you, Father, to be our shield, our buckler, our strong tower. So Father, this morning we pray over our families. We pray over this church. And Father, I believe in Jesus' name that you are taking us to the other side. Amen, amen.